Mir Martin, kneel before me, Time Lord. The A to Z of Doctor Who, Part 7, G. Gavrock, 1980s television villain portrayed by Don Henderson in the classic tale Delta and the Bannermen. If, like me, you haven't actually seen this tale since transmission, you'll understand why I can't remember anything amusing about him to poke fun at. You will, however, be delighted to learn that Big Finish will be utilising the man of a thousand voices, Nicholas Briggs, to record a trilogy prequel multi-doctor musical box set of the fourth, sixth and eighth Doctor's hitherto non-existent encounters with the ham-chewing Bannerman, set in a 1950s Connecticut dance hall. Gavrock Around the Clock is released in 2018. Gallifrey The Doctor's home planet... It's effectively a quarry full of tramps, although there's a barn for stray children to sleep in, and all the Time Lords inhabit the glass-domed citadel called the Capitol. Time Lord society is comprised of three castes, the Prydonians, the Patrexes, and Slytherin. Time Lord society was founded by Rassilon, harnessing the unexpected side effects from the noble sacrifice of Omega, who died exploding a black hole and I thought kittens could be a mischievous handful, to house the power of a singularity in a funky obelisk under the floor of the main debating chamber of their parliament, which is a bit like the Tories deciding to have situated Sizewell B directly underneath the House of Commons. Using this power source, the Gallifreyan elite soon used the extra petrol to fuel their experiments and become masters of time, able to travel in the fourth dimension and observe history unfold. They created dimensionally transcendental crafts called TARDISes that could adapt to each environment and blend in accordingly, but they still couldn't address the homelessness problem just outside their own capital. Content with their status as lords of time, the Gallifreyans rested on their laurels for thousands of years, growing increasingly dull, though elaborately dressed, until suddenly a bunch of fourth formers decided they'd had enough and it was time to escape before they went mad at the dullness. One was a naughty monk, the other we now know as the Doctor. He was a young Prydonian. The Master was, of course, a Slytherin, and another Prydonian, a rather gifted biologist called Hermirani, joined in the spate of TARDIS thefts. These became exiled renegades, although they'd often pop back, despite being exiled, for a quick bit of intrigue or to plot an assassination or occasionally to assume the supreme political office. Then there was a time war against the evil Daleks, and the best plan the Time Lords could think of was to resurrect the long-dead Rassilon to lead them once again, safe in the knowledge that he definitely wouldn't come back as a deranged maniac. The Master found the war a bit much, and disguised himself as a human baby in something called the Silver Devastation, which is presumably the Time Lord equivalent of a branch of H&M. And no one knows what happened to the Rani or the Monk, but the Doctor won the Time War by regenerating into a special War Doctor incarnation whose two secret weapons were mild testiness and arthritis who was able to use these abilities to destroy Gallifrey and, in so doing, wipe out the Daleks too. Gallifrey then spent an indeterminate amount of time peering at the universe through a small crack, before finding the Doctor again and gifting him a whole new regeneration cycle in exchange for never coming home. Two years later, the Doctor finally and triumphantly did return to Gallifrey, glowered at it, yelled at it, then did another runner, because, those fabulous robes aside, Gallifrey is still bloody boring.
Genesis of the Daleks. Often held up as a classic, if not the classic story, of classic Doctor Who's classic run between 1963 and 1989. Genesis of the Daleks is a six-part story famous for introducing Davros into the mythology and featuring a couple of guest stars who would go on to star in Allo Allo. Seriously, Lieutenant Gruber for one, and General von Klinkarfen. The story is a simple morality tale. Does the Doctor have the right to interfere in the history and development of the Daleks, avert their creation, or find some way to make them chill out a little? Sent back in time at the behest of a sort of Time Lord jester, the Doctor ponders this question while splitting his time between the Thal Citadel and the Khalid Bunker, two hermetically sealed survival shells really quite close to each other on a a whole planet otherwise ravaged by war. The Thal Khalid bases are so close together it's as if, I don't know, as if Earth was brought to its knees by a bitter war of attrition between enemy races based in Hoban and Leicester Square. Both the Thals and the Khalids sport big hair and massive sideburns, as if for all the world we were witnessing some West London repertory company of the mid-1970s rehearsing a richly allegorical play about Nazis, mutually assured destruction, and the fallen Madonna with the big boobies by Van Klomp. The Doctor is captured at one point and records a tape, no really a big reel-to-reel job, warning Davros of every single Dalek defeat ever and how to avert them then decides on balance this probably wasn't a great idea, so he destroys the tape, which allows all those defeats to stand. As we're not at home to Mr Spoiler, I won't tell you how the story ends, or if Davros goes on to successfully create the Daleks. What I will say is look out for some increasingly flamboyant and protracted deaths as the Khalid military coterie is whittled down in a ruthless coup by some pepper-pot-shaped Aravistes. Nida's little scream in particular is a joy. Seriously, most classic-era fans will tell you this is the best story ever produced, but myself I'd rather stick on the visitation with a nice cup of Earl Grey. Genesis, Time Worm 1991, and with no new Doctor Who on our screens, the series continued in book form in a new series of adventures, known as The New Adventures, from Virgin Publishing. The first book in this awesome and legendary series was part of a four-volume mini-series concerned with the villainous Time Worm, a legendary creature from Gallifreyan myth and superstition. Formed by an evil alien called Ishtar, melding with a source of unimaginable power and becoming a creature of great power capable of travelling time, you could say that the Time Worm was a sort of... hybrid... In other news, the book broke new, more adult ground by letting Ace get her norks out for what was certainly not to be the last time, and the bulk of the story was set in ancient Mesopotamia and had something to do with Gilgamesh. But I was a kid at the time and I found these bits quite dull. The book was written by John Peel, whose favourite song was Teenage Kicks by The Undertones, and whose BBC radio show became a spiritual home for music fans and kick-started the careers of many indie bands in the 70s onwards. Peel is commemorated with his own stage at the Glastonbury Music Festival, where the bad food and lack of sanitation lead to some festival-goers becoming dark, menacing hybrids themselves. Genitals of the Daleks An early 2000s porn version of Doctor Who created for the internet in which a character called the 
Cockter and his companion, Belinda Blumenthal, rub up against a rowdy race of rowdy robots planning to inseminate anyone and anything they can find. It's mostly eye-watering and unbelievably embarrassing, and none of the actors look pleased to be there, even the ones who haven't appeared in anything during the 30 years since Allo finished, and they'd be forgiven for wondering if they'd ever work again. There are some unbelievably flamboyant and protracted money shots, and, in particular... Nida's little scream is a joy. Crack, V. A rent in the space-time continuum that kept showing up unexpectedly in the wrong place. Gonad. A character from Planet of the Daleks portrayed by the actor Teniel Evans, who also appeared in Carnival of Monsters as Major Daly. Gonad was a surly, taciturn thal in a ludicrous suit best described as a man of few words because the side and a half of Pencil Day 4 that Terry Nation could be asked to submit didn't really actually feature much for Gonad to do. Some say he was only written into the story because his existence and relevance to the plot was bafflingly extrapolated by the script editor from a crude sketch Nation had drawn on the sheet of paper, as was also the case with the characters Shaft, Droplet and Bellend. (laughs) 